With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Snow is melting quite fast here. I can not only see all of my driveway, but I can start to see that I might have a yard. It's crazy. I like how you judge what part of the season we're in by how much of the driveway you can see. Yes, yes. That's pretty comical. I'll put it to you this way. I've got the Lotus out a a month earlier than last year, and it's fantastic. We've gotten a lot less snow here, which is interesting, but the ski season has still been pretty good. Up in the high country, it's still really good. But yeah, my yard is melting faster. It feels like April right now, and it's not quite April yet. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. Happy weekend. Yeah, big time. We just dropped the Toyota Tundra TRD Pro in Army green on youtube yep and it's been doing well so you'll see in the video that when the car was dropped off the truck they said you're gonna get looks in this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i thought really in army green everybody loves army green yeah i had no idea well that something about that truck just makes people want to talk about it which is fascinating so we were we were glad to drive it glad to share that we've got a ton of youtube content we're coming we really are trying to ramp up to where every single thursday without fail you have something in fact hang on that just reminds me Mm. of an announcement we haven't shared yet yes 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 we'll finish that thought and then well i I just are you gonna work it in we're gonna have youtube stuff about every thursday which is good here's why i'm excited (laughs) squirrel yeah it's totally a squirrel moment here's why i'm excited (laughs) this is what happens to me i have a 10 year old anyway um Starting probably next week, but if not next week, it will be in full swing the week after. But starting, I think, next week, you will have something from us every day of the week, this Monday through Friday. Crazy. crazy. We have new writers that have come on board. Thank you to those of you that are, that are coming on board to write various pieces of content for the writing section of our website. The website's been tweaked a little bit. We'll have new regular articles coming on Mondays and Wednesdays. So that means, see if I can do this, Monday, an article. <laughs> Tuesday, a podcast. Wednesday, an article. Thursday will be a YouTube video. And Friday, another podcast. Wow. And while the TV seasons are going, a TV episode on Saturday. And then we're shooting TV episodes in the midst of that. Well, that, that, but that's the thing somebody can watch. Trying to plan. Or, or, or read. Because we got to yes. keep that content going for totally. Q3 and future. So. But we are still in March, which means this Saturday, tomorrow, from when you hear this, we're still on Motor Trend Cable Channel. Yes, so absolutely. that is happening as well. Uh, there's various ways to get it streaming. I realize that all of your views count. If you have not given us a rating or a review on Amazon or IMDb, those do genuinely help. I am currently fighting with Amazon about why the rest of our season isn't available there. Aren't they just restructuring everything internally? And they are new software. They are changing the, the whole user interface and, for what yeah. we do for uploads. They're very excited about that. But in the midst of doing that, apparently they have stopped, uh, I don't know, reviewing content. We've sort of so, gotten ignored. We're yeah, sort of we like have. kicking you know, dirt on their shoe over here, and they're kind of yeah. ignoring so us. We will have the, all of the season, which will be all seven episodes in the buy season option sometime soon. Of course, it is currently on Vimeo. Many of you have watched it that way. Thank you, including our patrons who get a copy of that. But that does mean, honestly, through the end of March, Six of the seven days of the week, something from us is available, which is very, very cool. And then starting July 4th will be season seven, which we're already shooting. This is great. How did we figure this out? I'm, I, I'm glad. It I just don't sort know of that we about. figured it out, but it's going to happen yeah. either way. Yeah. First, did we figure it out and how mm-hmm. did we do that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited. I, yeah. Thank you to the writers. This is going to be really cool. So consistent content. And that's what we've been wanting. Welcome back to the podcast. We do have a couple of fun debates. The first one is from Aviv S. in mm-hmm. Israel, who is moving to San Diego, California. Very cool. To pursue a two-year graduate degree mm-hmm. at UC San Diego. And then after we get done debating myriads of car choices for Aviv, yes, we've yes, got yes. Noah M. in Wisconsin, who recognizes summer is coming, but is open to options for a ten dollars to $15,000 budget. I like it's it. rare that we kind of get the blue sky. Usually we get the... Hey guys, I'm thinking about this car. Mm-hmm. Can I get this car? Justify or my thoughts. Yes. I'm, I've narrowed it down to this range of hot hatches. Mm-hmm. Which one should I get? Or I just need a commute car. Mm-hmm. It's rare that we get a blue sky, but it's not blue sky in terms of price. It's blue sky in terms of I'm open. Mm-hmm. He's in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you've heard the joke. Well, maybe you haven't, but it's nine months of winter and three months of bad sledding. <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny, funny with everybody else because everybody in Wisconsin's already heard that. We like anything that helps our car disease. Well, frankly, anything that makes it worse, which is why we're big fans of Haggerty Drivers Club. 
For just $45 a year, that's less than $4 a month, you'll get six issues of the fantastic Haggerty Magazine, roadside service with guaranteed flatbed towing, invitations to members-only events, valuable automotive discounts on things like tires and vehicle transport and racing school, and a whole lot more. It's the ultimate membership experience for people who love cars. Check out Haggerty Drivers Club for yourself and join the club at haggerty.com slash everydaydriver. Thank you guys for writing. We're diving right into Aviv's email who mm-hmm. says, hello from Israel. He's been a fan of the show and podcast for over a decade. Really cool. Thank you. Wow. Aviv, thank you so much. In July of 2020, he'll be moving over to La Jolla in San Diego to, to, to attend his two-year graduate degree at UC San Diego. Like it. Awesome. Good for you. He's currently 29. He's owned five cars since he attained his driver's license 10 years ago, mm-hmm. the first being a manual Skoda Fabia, mm-hmm. and then he got another Seat Leon Cupra, and then a DSG Audi S3, an Audi S1, and currently he has a Volkswagen Mark 7.5 DSG Performance Pack GTI. Clearly, he doesn't like that car. If he, if he, it's, like that, <laughs> it's like a kid when it's like, how old are you? I'm 11 and three quarters. He exactly. has a Mark 7.5. Why do we measure baby's age and like my son is twenty one months old or I, yeah I'm like five hundred and forty one months like I, I'm, I'm I, here's the thing this is this is my this is my rule I'm year and a half this is my rule I'm actually okay with months until eighteen months and at that point you're year and a half move on I agree I I, I can I really I I prefer if at twelve you've reached the milestone let's say a year. He's Let's say he's months a little old. over a year. Okay, but but I can I can tolerate it to eighteen months and now stop it. <laughs> we just find things to rant about. We randomly. do. We find we find things to to <laughs> to be grumpy old men about. It's frightening. Yeah. So most of his cars were modified. He says, be it coilovers or brakes or bigger turbos. He says, I'm not the best driver in the world, but he likes to think that he's above average. Okay. He took a bunch of local driver training courses. He does about eight or nine local track days a year. And he's he's counted. Mm-hmm. He's got eighty five laps under his belt at the Nurburgring from various trips over there throughout the years. Here's what I find funny. By the way, bravo to you on eighty five laps. That's really really cool. Here's the hysterical cool thing number. about the Nurburgring. It's very cool. That doesn't make sense until you go. Well, there's a lot of things, but on this, I've never come across anybody ever talking about any track in the world except the Ring, where they can tell you their number of laps. People it's because will tell each you, lap has is, is so emotional, and it's and it's going to be eight to ten minutes so worth of driving, and emotional. you're paying per lap. Yes, that's so, the only track that you pay per lap. Yes. is it not? So as a result, you you are doing this calculation constantly, and if you are killing it, if you're killing it, you can get fifteen, sixteen laps done in a day. If you have, you're going to be exhausted. Dedicated, if that's the and case. we've had uh, Ted who joins us on our pilgrimage trip. He's done 15, 16 laps yeah. in a day, and that is from the when the gate went up in the morning till they close it down at five thirty on a track day. He is in the car constantly, except for like the world's fastest lunch. Well, yeah. So everybody else would be exhausted. And Ted at the end of the day is like, "That was great. Yeah, Let's exactly. go to dinner." But when we go, to, but when we go to pilgrimage and people share cars, which most people do, you're going seven, maybe eight laps mm-hmm. in a day. And people are wrecked. Yeah. But it yeah. is funny because the laps are so intense, everybody knows their lap number. The other reason Very people funny. count laps is because what we've heard over the years that we've been there is, you know the ring after about 100 laps. We'll, we'll give you that you kind of know the ring. Race car drivers who drive in VLN series and drive there regularly have up to 10,000 laps. It's craziness. But people measure that in terms of getting to know the track. Mm -hmm, Where mm -hmm. other tracks around the world, you can figure out and you can nail the corners and consistently do it because there's far fewer corners and you Mm -hmm. can memorize the track far easier. So you count laps as a measure of your expertise. That's a fair point. On the ring as well. Not just how much you've paid. It's craziness. Yeah, your your expertise. So 85 laps is impressive. It's very good. It's very it's good. up there. Yeah. Shooting for 100, right? He says the Israeli car market is very different from the U.S. with prices usually double or triple the MSRP of the cars wow. that we have in the U.S. So moving to the U.S., he says, makes the cars cost about half what he's used to. He's like a kid in a candy store all of a sudden. He's like, well, I can That's get amazing. one of those. Yeah. So combined with the huge variety that we have, although we do have a good variety, but I always think that Europe has more. Anyway, he says that's incredibly exciting. He will be spending two years at UC San Diego. He says likely one more year working in the U.S., maybe at the university. He says the budget is $45,000, could push it up to fifty for something really interesting. Okay. All right. Keep in mind that he's coming from 
I, you know, my, my budget just doubled just yeah. because coming yeah. to the U.S. From his perspective, he's just he, – it's one of those things that happened when I moved here from Los Angeles. When I first moved to Utah from Los mm-hmm. Angeles mm-hmm. and moved to Park City and bought at the bottom of the market, which was the only way I could afford to live in Park City, but I was very thrilled to do so. Yeah. And yeah. I met people that had grown up in Salt Lake that looked at me like this weird rich guy for – flying in and moving to Park City. And I said, no, no, you misunderstand. You grew up in Salt Lake. My tolerance for what it costs me to keep roof over my head every month is about Park City prices. You're, yeah. You grew up in Salt yeah. Lake where everything's crazy cheap. This is what he's dealing with here. Aviv. Yeah, it, it is a situation the same where his, his tolerance for what a car should cost per month puts him in the range where he comes over here with 50 grand. As a, as a, a guy doing a college master's, it's like 50 grand seems like a good price for a car. <laughs> like, then we're wee. sitting here going, 50 grand to spend? That Look seems, at you. So it's very exciting. That seems like a lot. It's like moving from Seattle or New York or San Francisco yeah, yeah. to anywhere else. <laughs> and you think, I just got a raise. Yeah, seriously. Things got cheaper. How did this happen? All right. So. Aviv plans to make the most of his time in California and attend as many track days and driving events as he can. He also wants to use this car to do road trips across the state and into other states. Very cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. So you need something that will track, mm-hmm. something that will kind of commute, I guess. It kind of depends on how far you live from the university. So maybe yeah. the commute's not going to be a big of a deal. But track days, definitely some road trips in there, which is yeah. great. You want some comfort for yeah. that. And I do encourage you to see as much of the U.S. as you can mm-hmm. while you're here mm-hmm. and do plan some road trips. Get out on weekends, do the short day stuff, but then go to the Grand Canyon. Go do that. That Western Loop, the Southwestern yeah, Loop yeah, yeah. from Arizona sure. through, sure. you know, New Mexico through Arizona again, then California, Northern California, Vegas, that whole deal. Wow, yeah, definitely recommend that. So, he would really like a manual transmission. He's willing to compromise on an automatic for something worthwhile. Okay, all right. Again, it needs to be reliable for track use and the long distance driving with luggage capacity for two. Okay. okay. He would like something that works well in stock form, despite what he's talked about, his upgrades that he's done. To <laughs> despite the fact that he keeps changing everything. everything he buys. Yeah, exactly. He says, maybe I'll upgrade the brakes and tires, maybe suspension, but not too much more than this. And I guess that's because you're going to want to sell the car at the Seems end of your like time it, yeah. and just you don't want to spend too much on upgrades. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. So gas mileage isn't a concern. He says, your gas is cheap. <laughs> it is by comparison. And yes, it, it kind of is. I, I will say either new or used. And not a Hyundai or a Kia. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. He's, he's, what he's okay. doing there is an end run. He's going, these guys like Hyundai and Kia <laughs> yeah, products, and I really don't want one. He's cutting That's us off really what he's doing. He's going, I've, I've heard this podcast more than once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the used options are, of course, one of the shining stars, the E92 BMW M3 with a manual V8. transmission. With the V8. Yeah, yeah. I see that why you like that. That is a lovely yeah, car. Cool. It's very cool. You've got some great choices on here, Aviv. Maybe a Mint Evo 8 or an Evo 9. Okay. You like manual BMW M2 non-competition, and that does mean you will be able to find those easily for that budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The U.S. is littered with M2s for sale that are non-competition, just waiting for us all because to pick everybody them up. decided. Well, I can't have that. I got to go get the competition option now. <laughs> right. I mean, why would I do this? Three Porsches on your list: the 997 Carrera S or 4S, 996 Turbo, or a 986 Cayman S. All very good choices. Then you come to the Mustang GT350, mm-hmm. and for about 50, you can get the 350. Yeah. Not the R, yeah. but that's okay. You just lose the back seats. It's like Ford does the performance, the Porsche thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You pay more, and you get less. Yay. <laughs> that's absolutely what it is. Pay more sure. money, yeah. and I'll give you a little splitter up front, and we'll take the back seats out. Yeah. Great. And the badges are now stickers. <laughs> we saved weight. Yeah. All right. Oh, he's got a 997 Turbo on here, early Nissan R35 GTR. And he says, if it's new, either the Mm -hmm. six-cylinder or maybe the cheaper four-cylinder brand-new Supra, but it's quite disappointing there's no manual. Yeah. We agree. We'd love that manual, but please watch our content on the Supra. We do love that car regardless if it's got a manual or not. It's episode one of season six that's playing now that is actually about the Supra versus the Cayman and the M2 competition pack. That's a really fun piece. Of course, we've also got other YouTube pieces on the Supra. And there is that four-cylinder we have to drive at some point this year as well mm-hmm. to discuss it. That'll be cool. He says a Toyota GT86 could be a great platform to learn rear-wheel drive, and it's cheap enough. There would be lots of cash left for handling mods. You could buy a couple of them, actually, for your budget. You and, but here, three. But here's the thing. I have to stop right here qu- quickly, Aviv. Yes, we've talked about the 86 platform a lot, and some of you are already fast-forwarding the podcast. You're like, this car again? But it is very good, okay? <laughs> it is very good. But here's the thing I think is funny. What you say, there'll be cash left over for handling mods. Mm. That's not what this car needs. Agreed. Get some nice tires and stop 
in a V8 engine. Wait, who said that? Well, but if you want to, if you want to. Mod that, what you do is really good tires, and if you still are concerned, you said you're worried about it feeling slow, it may feel slow to you. That's when you supercharge it. It will feel slow. You, but, you're worried that it'll feel slow? Keep worrying. But you can, but you can buy, buy one already supercharged by somebody else. Get a, get a well-known could. kit and save yourself the trouble. But you I think it's funny that you comment about there'll be cash left over for handling mods. I'm sitting here going, that's what the car does well from the factory. <laughs> right, right. The only reason it understeers or, frankly, slides when you don't want it to is the bad tires. The setup's great. But for anyway. sure. All right, what else? He's got the GTI now. You remember that? How about a Mark 7.5? Manual Golf R. He said the R could be a nice upgrade. Yeah. Let's not do that. I'm just going to take that off the table right now. Just for presumptive, you already own one. It's already close. Too, Agreed. too let's, close. Let's move on to something else. I totally agree with that. Yep. Subaru STI, Mustang V8 with the Performance Pack 2 mm-hmm. or 230 with some mods or maybe BMW, a 240 yeah, yeah. M BMW. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do that, just go get an M2. I mean, let's let's not... Keep screwing around with that, right? So I came to a car. First of all, a thought. Before I give you a car, Aviv, okay. you're coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. You're excited to come. Yeah. I can't wait for you to come. I can't wait to share the U.S., and I hope you really enjoy. Yeah, agreed. But I want you to have an American car. Okay. Now, all right. All right. We can debate the, merit, the merits of what makes an American car. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But I will say the one that is number one on the list of American cars based on where it's assembled and parts count is a Corvette. I don't wonder if you go there. Yeah. A C7 Corvette. Yeah. A Z51 absolutely. package equipped C7 Corvette or, or mm. it's me. Okay. So I might spend more of your money because, you know, apparently cars are cheap. Yeah, they're, they're cheap to have used, so let's just spend more money. Yeah, I agree with that. How about a Z06? Well, but how about a Grand Sport? Grand Sport could be great, too. It, it might be the sweet spot for money. It yeah. actually might. Mm-hmm. But any pick one, drive them. Mm-hmm. There's going to be C7s for sale because everybody's into the C8 right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the C7 is kind of old news, and it, it sits over here as a great car. It's a GT car. It's designed mm-hmm. for the commute. And the long-distance GT driving yes. you want to do. Yes. And it's designed for track use. Mm-hmm. Take it to the track. That's the start and finish of what I want for you to experience I love in America. I think that's great. I actually do think that the Grand Sport is the sweet spot because it is. It could be. It's the look of the Z06 yeah. without the big engine that sometimes overheats on track. Yeah, that, that is but, the issue if you're going to track it a But lot. the thing is... Like you're saying, you could saw across the entire U.S. in that car with a surprising amount of gear and stuff in it. And then you're right, commute, track. It does everything. It Watch our really American does. Original Corvette film because it is I, – I love that you went there because I do think that could be a sniper <laughs> shot and done. I want to unpack his list a little further, okay. but I love that you went there. I just – I think for the American experience, mm-hmm. the taste, because then you'll go home in two or three years and think, I had a Corvette. Yeah. I drove it across America. Yeah. I tracked the daylights out of it. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is change the tires, and you will change tires. Yeah, you will it. change tires. There will be more tires. But that's all you have to do. It's mm-hmm. set up for everything. You don't have to pour a lot of mods to it to enjoy I think it. That's great. And it's just, I think it is that American taste that you want. And it's not on his list. I think it should be on it his isn't. list. It isn't. I totally agree. All these other cars are fantastic. I love them all. I want you to own them all. You've got the rest of your life to do that, right? That is Who funny. knows where you're going to live, Aviv, after this experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be hired somewhere else in the world. You could go and mm-hmm. go have that experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not saying that, oh, I'm moving to Japan. I have to get an R34 or R32 to have the, you know, the real Japanese experience. I'm not sure. saying sure. equating it to that. But I am. If you've not been here and you're looking mm-hmm. forward to it like Aviv is, I do think it would be worth it. Because, again, you can go get... All these other cars later in life, mm-hmm. after you move or whatever happens, or say you have well, the Corvette and get something be, else. It'll be much easier to find everything else elsewhere. Yeah. 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 I, I totally Just get it. I totally C7 get it. C7 vet of some flavor of something. I like it so much. Yeah. Get a vet, man. Aviv, here's the thing I'm going to say to you. You've had plenty of front-wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. No front-wheel drive for this buy. Not even on the table. And I'm even going to submit to you because you make the comment about the 86 you, the possibility of learning rear-wheel drive. So I'm going to say no front-wheel drive and no all-wheel drive. 
I like that. Let's go rear wheel drive. He's also in San Diego. Only. Yes, agreed. So here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna list my honorable mentions. There's no real weather quick there. It's the future because because they're weather cars that you've talked about. I want to give you kind of why they're honorable mention. Then I'm gonna tell you my favorites. And I I do love your Corvette. That's a great one. And that might be <laughs> Aviv's car. But in honorable mention, you said the 997. You'd enjoy the 997-911. That is the mm. 2005 to 2012 9-11. You'd enjoy it. Watch 50 Years of 9-11. We break that car down in depth. That would be great. Caymans are better to drive. I'm going to go ahead and just put that flag in the ground. Caymans are better to drive. I know that's They're controversial. Delish. All automotive journalists are supposed to want a 9-11 above all else. Caymans are better. So there's the, the 997. <laughs> the 86, I already mentioned, it doesn't need handling mods. It needs better tires. Yeah. And if it yeah. bothers you, then you get more power. I still don't think that's quite right, but I do like it, of course. The Supra, it's good. It's excellent. Yep. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. I think there's more interesting cars on the list elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, G, uh, the GT350, you can afford one. That is a fantastically, specifically American yeah. experience. It is. But I think the Corvette is better. <laughs> Just I'm in love with so, the Corvette. There you go. Manual. So having said that. that, you brought up the M2, and I like it, but I can do you one better. If you go BMW, I think there's only one choice, the oh, 1M. Because with 50 good. grand, you can get one. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push so you for good. a second. I'm going to push you for a second, Aviv, because if you're going to get a BMW, get the 1M. You might have to spend a little more than 50, and I know I've gone beyond the budget, but here's the difference. Two, three years and you sell that car, you will get more out of a 1M than anything else you could buy. That's very true. It will sell for – you can put miles on it. It will sell for better. If you went and bought an M2 or a 1M for the same money, I bet you that 1M is going to be worth 25 to 40% more when you sell it in two, three years. You know what he could do? Let's say he spends his time here and he gets the 1M. Mm-hmm. He could not sell it and just keep it here so when elsewhere he's working in the world, he can say, yes, I keep a car in the States. So when I fly over to the States, I keep a car. I can just so, pull my car. That, I love it. If you're going to go 1M, pardon me, if you're going to go BMW, you need to go 1M. Not, not M2. Go 1M. You'll enjoy it so much more. I still think your vet is great. Jaguar F-Type manual. That's For 50 good. grand, buy it, enjoy it. You can track it. You could, and that is a great cross-country car. That is a great commute car. Just buy an F-Type and enjoy. And mm. then if you're going to go Porsche, get the hottest Cayman you can buy. You listed some generations. I'm going to say you might even want to be in a 718 because those are coming down in price. They are. They are. But just look at your Cayman options from any of the three generations. Uh, our second episode of last season with the generations of the Cayman. And we were surprised at the comparatives of the three generations of Cayman and how they lay alongside each other. There's pros Definitely. and cons of all three. With 50 grand in your pocket, you kind of can go, which generation would I like? But the general advice for buying a Porsche is buy as much Porsche as you can afford. But Caymans are awesome. And, if, and you only need two seats and some cargo space. That's the one to go with. Mm-hmm. All of that to say, I think it still might be a grand sport. <laughs> It's sort of like buying computer gear. When you're buying a computer, you buy the best, fastest computer you can afford at the time to try and stave off obsolescence. From one month to at least six. Exactly. Until Apple drops something else on us. We're like, ah. The the, the week after you buy is typically when it happens to me. It always is that way. Yeah, there's an announcement like a week after I place my order. Every single time I order something, yeah. Why didn't I wait? Yeah. Aviv, we're very excited for you. If you have your own debate and you're listening and you're moving to the U.S. or you're coming here or you're in the U.S. and you want some cool driving experience – Tell us your debate. Tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about you, where you're at, and mm-hmm. uh, give us some information that we can debate for you. And also your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and if you want to just drop us a line, we read it all. We do. We do. And we're doing our best to always get to it, but thank you. I love the engagement from all you guys. We're back with Noah writing to us from Wisconsin. Summer is coming, is what he's noting. And I, <laughs> and I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Like I said, I've been fighting to get the, the Lotus out. The Lotus is out, and it's so wonderful. Every morning, Todd wakes up. How melted is the driveway? Seriously, how melted is the driveway meter? Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. It's a little I've, I've thing had, had it out a few that... times this week already. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Love it. So I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Great. He has uh, Noah currently has a uh, 2015 Ram 1500 5.7 liter Hemi 4x4. That's not what he's shopping for. He is shopping for the counterpoint. <laughs> if summer's coming and we're gonna have some fun, let's buy a interesting car. Here's what I like about this: you actually have a bike. You've got an Aprilia. You've yeah. got the 2018 Aprilia, the RSV4RR. 
basically you have a rocket of a bike. Yeah. And that's not going anywhere, and the truck's not going anywhere, but you don't have a car that is any of the bike-like things, any of the, just the sheer fun stuff. So you're going, that's what I need. <laughs> Got to say it with the, the passion. Aprilia, from yeah, you, the heart. You're just, you're just better at that Aprilia. than Aprilia. I did a project for Aprilia, Aprilia in school. We had a sponsored project by them. So I know them, but they're not uh, – they're growing in the U.S., which is cool, and I love the choice. So you've got something Italian, and you've also got a truck that is FCA. Mm-hmm. So it's also all Italian. Well done. Interesting point. So it's just kind so of interesting So I'd say you need here. an Alpha 4C, but your budget's fifteen grand, so we can't make that work. Yeah. Well, I kind of – I was thinking about all this Italianness that you have going on, even though the truck isn't really – but you know what I mean? I'm staying with the FCA theme. I think I could steal what car you got right now. But anyway, I'll let, I'll let you get there. <laughs> just yeah. let me get there. I'll let you get there. <laughs> All right, so keep in mind, Italian, he's using the truck to commute. It's killing him on gas. I'm sure it is, yeah. 140-mile round-trip to work every day commute in the 5.7-liter Hemi. That's a lot of gas. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, so he's not selling, as Todd said, ten to $15,000. Must be manual, must be a driver's car. Not fast, but certainly lively. <clears throat> okay. Reliable enough to be an almost daily Close to 30 miles per gallon on the highway. Mm-hmm. He says, no skeleton in the closet like a Cadillac CTSV version one rear end. And it doesn't have to be new if it's reliable, but he does like new-ish and nice amenities. Okay. He has considered the Fiesta ST, GTIs, Miazdas. <laughs> Miazdas, yes. Miazdas. Miatas, uh-huh. Mazda Speeds, one series BMW M's or just BMWs, FRSs. But he's worried he's overlooking many choices. Okay. He's right. also owned a Focus ST, a Genesis Coupe 3.8, and he has owned a CTSV, a 2004. Real quickly, Noah, I hate to say this, and, I, and, and I'm painting broad strokes here, but doesn't every car have skeletons in the closet? Totally. Over enough time, every car has, oh, but if you're buying one of those, you have to fix the dot, dot, dot. You have to fix whatever, I okay? Mean, my beloved Porsche is, you know, my brand, that's mm-hmm. got skeletons in the closet like crazy. So you have to kind of dig in and find out, uh, honestly, what is your pain tolerance? What is the surprise that is lingering in the used car that you really, really want? I feel like they've all got something. Now, they range in severity, I realize. But I feel like anything you want probably has some sort of skeleton. But we'll see. Now, I'm thinking here, Noah, cheap Caymans, 10 to 15. That'd be cheap Caymans. That's cheap Caymans. Uh, you're, you're safer going Boxster at that point because I think you've got more options Oh, that's a good point. I like that better. Fifteen, I like that better. We drove uh, mm-hmm. affordable sports cars around ten grand for one of our TV episodes, and mm-hmm. we had a first gen Boxster with like a hundred thousand miles on it. You could get a follow me late first gen Boxster for twelve. That would yeah. actually be a driver. It would be. It wouldn't be like this needs everything. It will need something. But it's not going to need tons of stuff. And it would probably just run. The minute You're going to have to, again, buy it and find out the stuff that needs right away because it will need something. What's in this closet? But, that, oh, no. but here's, here's your 15 grand. You buy it for 12 and you spend three on it immediately. Mm-hmm. And then it's just going to be a driver. I think the Boxster is the better call than the Cayman for his money. That's interesting. And, yeah, you're, they're probably a little bit cheaper. You talked about Miatas, Noah. So I like the NC Miata for you because you talked about dailying it. Okay, The first two generations, in my opinion, are are too small. I'm just going to say it. I think they're too small. For it depends daily. on how big a person is. For it, us, they are flat out too small. They're just too small. It wasn't until the NC generation came around and I thought, well, now this is a real car. It's still small. It's still mm-hmm. lightweight. And it's the, the most bloated of all the Miatas. It mm-hmm. just kind of is. The only reason I've ever wanted to be like 5859 is the Mazda Speed Miata. The NB Mazda Speed Miata with it's the like factory 2005? turbo. Uh, like they're that? later than that, but the five oh six. I'd have to look them up. I'm, I'm somebody's yelling at their at their phone <laughs> right now. Pounding the dash. But anyway, the point is, I've always wanted the and I've driven it. The Mazda Speed Miata is awesome for someone like six inches shorter than me. If you wear a size nine shoe, the Mazda Speed yeah. Miata is for you. So and we and we don't know with Noah, but yeah. All right, I've thought of hot hatches because you've had the Focus ST. So I thought of a Mini Cooper S, something different. I had that on my list too. I like it, but you've all been waiting. Remember the Italian part that I was telling you about, the mm-hmm. FCA part? Let's just keep it all there. Mm-hmm. Go buy yourself an Abart 500. 
Okay. Go get yourself an Abart 500. It keeps it in the FCA family and your Italian everything in your garage. I thought you were going. I like that. I, I, that isn't where I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to say Fiat 124 used and see if you could That's find one That's also good. That's, That's also very go. good. Yeah. But if we're if we're going Miatas, yeah. can you get those for 10 to 15 though? You'd be at the bottom of the market. It'd be a high mileage. Yeah. But I thought because you said must be manual, driver's car, mm-hmm. not fast but lively. That's what the Abart 500 does all day. It's yeah, lively yeah, yeah, yeah. and weird, and you you slam the door after you get out, and you're just like, yeah, that was weird and fun, and I just I liked driving it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so different. Noah, and it keeps hang it on. in the family. You were right, Paul. O four o five is the Mazda. O four o five. Okay, I thought. How, I thought how big right are there. you, Noah? Because if you could get one, the the nicest ones yeah. on there are are fifteen, sixteen grand. That's the nicest ones out there. But plenty of people are selling them for less than ten, and they're just they are kind of awesome. I have to say, they're they're I am. It's a clown car for me, but they are awesome. So that is a really good. good <laughs> I mean, possibility. All, all of them mostly are in well, general. But but, but, but yes. watch our watch our comparison of the Miata. Uh, piece of all and the watch clown me, cars, this is the most. Watch me play bobblehead in a in a Miata NA and and stick my head out of the window like well actually out of the roof <laughs> exactly. like a dog because. I'm just that big for that car. Yeah. So a Bart 500. That's, I like it. It's just they're inexpensive. You won't spend 15. If you spend 15, you're getting an almost brand new one that's sat on a lot or something. <laughs> you're right. But save even more money. That's very and good. And get tires for it and spend money on your bike and just go have fun. It's just a weird, quirky. I like that you brought it up. Funny, but cool enough to just be sort of like, all right, this is an enthusiast car. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, a commuter car. This is enthusiast here. It's tons of personality. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah, he, it you is. know, you, I hadn't thought about this till right now. The fact that you're bringing it up, it's interesting to compare it with where he is. What he has in the Hemi mm-hmm. and the Aprilia yeah. is things with exhaust notes. Yeah. Then you add the Fiat 500 Abart, which has crazy amounts of personality and a fantastic exhaust note. Totally. You hear that down the block. We've had it happen before. We'll, we'll, be, in, we'll <laughs> yeah. be in like Los Angeles where we're like, What's that? What's that? Bam, 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 bam. And then it pulls up. We're like, oh, of course. It's a 500 Abarth. Is that a fur? Oh, you don't. You don't do that with a Fiesta ST. You don't. But a a Bart, you go, what is that coming up? Which sounds like a little fur. Nope. It's not. It has this. Yeah, anyway. So uh, I love that. 500 Bart is very good. Good. Uh, You do have to cross shop it with the Fiesta ST. If you're just looking for fun and that's on your list. He's the Focus ST, though. Uh, Yes, but honestly. I, I I do think the Fiesta ST is that much more fun than the Focus. I really do. If he's looking for just fun. 85% more fun or 92%? I think it's at least 50% more fun. 50%. Okay. I there's, really do. There's your quantifiable number. There's my number. quantifiable number. Yes. It's like Burn a brand on the side you of the cow. Believe it. Yep. There it is. Yeah, it's going to have a sticker on the back. We're going to make a special <laughs> sticker, a special vinyl for all of you Fiesta <laughs> ST owners. It says 50% more fun than the Focus. That's going to be on the back. Could it be in a star, like now made with real cheese? It's 50% go. more fun. Shane, I know you're going to send us an email. <laughs> Shane is one of our longtime listeners. He's a patron, and he lives in D.C. and has a black Fiesta ST. I guarantee mm-hmm. if we made that vinyl, Shane would put it on his car. That might be a shirt. It's just the car. And then now, with 50% more fun 50% added. 50% more fun than its siblings. It's yes. a value pack. So anyway, so Fiesta ST is a good option. I do like that for you. We've already talked about the Miata. I really do think, I haven't actually gone this specific in a while, but that Mazda Speed NB, if you can fit... You would love it. I love that it's like scratching at you. It's like a splinter it, it, it in is your if, brain. I, I really do like them if you can fit. So Fiesta ST, you mentioned the Mini Cooper S. You need to drive one of those. Don't you think? Totally. Or just a little bit of a different choice. And if you want to go a little bit of a different choice, Pontiac Solstice or Saturn Sky. Wow. Get the turbo ones of those. I'd probably like how the Saturn drives, but I'm just averse to the name and the styling. But see, I think that's me, though. But here's the Solstice Sky thing. I think it really is. Everybody I've ever hung out with that's seen both of them, it splits the room down the middle. Half people prefer mm. the Solstice, half prefer the Sky. Who are you? But they're both crazy cheap now. Yeah, they are. If you get the turbos, they're quite fast. And it is a fantastic alternative to the other things we're mentioning. I think everything else we've mentioned is fun, but you're not going to see a whole lot of Solstice and Skies floating around. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. if you really want to go crazy, granted it's out of your budget, you get the coupe. But those are being sold now for twenty five to thirty because there were like five of them made. I mean, the people who picked those up kind of knew that they could at least make a little bit of money on them. I mean, they weren't going to blow out the auction budget, but who knew you could buy a plastic interior Solstice GM product and it would hold on to its value? That is a one in a million shot right there. <laughs> wow.
If you've got more cars in the garage space, and we suspect you probably do, then you need to protect it with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA Custom Car Cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but also breathe to eliminate condensation. It has four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and it protects your car from UV rays as well. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer, are made entirely in the USA, and come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. Todd had one on the Lancer, and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. I wore one out after nine years of daily use on my Audi Avant, and people always asked how I kept it so nice. Plus, you can defend your interior against kids and dogs and spills and any weekend adventure you might have in the mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. You can have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. And you can get 10% off your custom car cover and any Covercraft product by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com. And it even ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. Jumping to social media questions, which I'm complimenting you guys again. Really good ones, yep. I am starting with the low-hanging fruit. It's sort of the bait for me, I realize, okay. from Tristan WK on Instagram, who can mostly follow Porsche chassis codes. Uh-oh. But why is the 911 also called the Carrera, mm. Tristan asks. Was it different names for different markets that merged over time? Why two names for one car? I have an explanation for you. Okay. Porsche's use of the Carrera nomenclature has its history in racing from the La Carrera Panamericana border-to-border -border race held in the early 1950s in Mexico. Now, a small number of 356 models were produced with four overhead camshaft quote-unquote Carrera engines that mm. were designed by Porsche's later managing director, Dr. Ernst Fuhrman. Fuhrman. You just like rattling off foreign names. To I can't That's pronounce them do, anyway. Yeah. It's funny, yeah. But the, get this, those engines had nothing in common with the original Volkswagen mm. engine. Mm. So they called it Carrera. Porsche adopted this Carrera name that is now traditionally used throughout their lineup to designate a model of particularly high performance. Okay. The 911 is the car number. Carrera is the designation. And also, something you might not be aware, Porsche contracted with Carlo Abart to build 20 lightweight aluminum bodies for that 1.6 liter 356B Carrera that was first raced in the Targa Florio in May 1960, and the result was the Carrera GTL, okay. that was unofficially known as the Abart Carrera. So it does have roots in racing. Porsche likes to, it's all at the window now, but Porsche likes to introduce <laughs> history and, and start using they that do. right away. They do. Because now, in this modern day and age, we're using turbo for a non-turbo car. Yeah, the Taycan Turbo. It's yeah. electric and doesn't have a turbo anywhere on it. So it's yeah. really just marketing at this point, I hate to say. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, career, it's a cool name. Right? It is a cool it's, name. It's a cool word. I just horrified myself real quick. Mm. I decided to look it up since we just finished talking about it what? and see how ridiculous people are don't with the Solstice while GXP. Oh, the no. Coupe. Don't the shop. Coupe. Generally, if you got thirty grand, you can get a good one. Oh, no. This is the Solstice. Have coupe. they gone up? There is somebody selling. <clears throat> yeah, in California. They are selling a zero mile. Oh, of course. This, it gets worse. Of course. Silver good. GXP, which is the turbo, coupe. Automatic. Yuck. Zero mile. You want to take a guess what they're they're listing it for? I'll go with fifty grand. Sixty-five. <laughs> what? And the answer to that question is no, sir. Sixty-five thousand no, dollars in your pocket? <laughs> no, sir. It better have a Porsche badge on it's, the hood. It's it's two thousand nine, which also means with your zero miles, all you can do with this car is buy it and not drive it. That's that's a waste of sixty five grand. I'm you're, sorry, you're I had dreaming. Sixty five. What? The, the reason I bring it up, the reason I bring it up, I hate to say this. No. I, I have, just like things like the Via Cross, I have a soft spot for the Solstice Coupe. I know. <laughs> There's a part of me that just wants to have one for the heck of it. There's a part of me that would like to have that as my winter car, the Solstice Coupe. Oh, my gosh. And it would be fine. It would and be it fine. would do it fine. Yeah. I love the quirky part of you that, mm -hmm. that I like that Via Cross and the, the quirky, weird British cars. Yeah, and, and the Solstice Coupe, the stuff that really doesn't make sense and didn't do well. I don't know why, but that's the stuff that I gravitate which, towards. Have yes. we talked about Morgan? Do you like Morgans? See, I, do you, don't, don't tell me. No. Do you have a soft spot for Morgans? No. I would love to drive the three-wheeler 
to say I have. You do. I love I love to drive one because I think that is as absurd as cars get. I really don't want one. I've been close to them. I've climbed okay. in them. I really don't want a Morgan. Lotus <laughs> Lotus is my is my play for sure. But I do like quirky. I'd give it to you if you want one and you want to drive one. I'll give it to you. I'll hand it to you. I <laughs> buy you a scarf for Christmas and some buy me a scarf. Vintage goggles. Nobody so wants can... to see me in a scarf. Anyway, Ed Hayes asks on Facebook: How often do you, Paul, drive the Phaeton? And how often do uh, I drive the Maserati? And then his his follow up, which has got like a splinter in my brain: Could the swap be permanent? Oh. His question is, should we just swap for a while? I love the Maserati. I know you do. It is funny to me, that thought of just swapping for a bit. Maybe we should do that. Maybe we should. Before we, before we head, head them off and give them to you guys. <laughs> we have other things planned. You're going to just cringe every time you start that thing. I am going thing. to cringe. You're yes. just going to curl into a ball and cry. Yeah, I am going to cringe. But but the, the they're both running. Uh we have another video coming up of just quirks and interior foibles and random stuff. We have more fun video driving uh, videos coming on those that are really cool. I do like the swap idea because the truth is we've both driven each, yeah. but we don't regularly drive each, which brings me back to another comment I want to say. Somebody else asked another time, we aren't buying these and letting them sit and telling you how bad they run. No. We're no. driving these a lot. Yeah. I have been, honestly, I have been dailying the Phaeton all winter. It's designed for it. I have driven it in like, wow, that's a big negative number kind of temperatures, terrible snowstorms, and everybody else is freaking out. I have dailyed that thing. Todd comes we have by. Driven it a lot. He says the seat heaters are the best part, and the seat they massagers are, are the are. best part of this car. Yes, I am. I I have never. Prior to this, I've had press cars, but I've never owned a car with the combination of really good seat massagers and seat heaters, and that is the one thing that has completely spoiled me all winter. That is so funny. It's ridiculous, especially for a guy that climbs into a Lotus unadjustable seat and goes, this feels good. So, yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> My chiropractor loves me. I have a reliable Maserati, on the other hand. Just Sure you just do. Just duck and cover every by, time you start by it. By the way, the, the Maserati t-shirts are available on our store, and yes, they're riotously you. funny. You, you must have one. Absolutely. All right. So Nam the Man 329 says, is brand loyalty a thing of the past? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. I, I think that people are now finding brand loyalty maybe in category. Because mm. let's take a garage. You need an SUV. You need a sports car. But you like various cars. And your loyalty might continue the thread of, well, I like BMW's SUVs. I'm going to keep that going. But you know what? For my sports car, I like name something else. Mm -hmm. And I like mm -hmm. that kind of lineage. I like what they're doing over here. Whereas maybe I don't like the cars from BMW as much. I like their SUVs. And maybe I like... The cars from, I don't know, pick somebody else, like I said. Sure. You know, and I don't like their, their larger cars quite as much, which is completely valid. But I'm seeing brand loyalty along those lines, not mm. I have to have an all Mazda garage. That's not really what I'm seeing as much. That's an anomaly. Well, but here's the thing. We, the other reason it's an anomaly is because on this show, when you write into us, when you have a garage that's only one brand and you're only buying one brand, the first thing we say is buy another brand. Yeah, we skewer you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do say branch out. All right. Uh, Archer Twin says, how long do you wait for somebody to get out of the way before passing them on the right? <laughs> 30 seconds, 60 seconds. Wow, you're impatient. The British call it undertaking. I love that, by the way. <laughs> I am is. undertaking you. Yeah. <laughs> I give them a few minutes and I try to determine if they've seen me. Mm -hmm. And I admit sometimes I'm, you know, crowding their <clears throat> left rearview mirror with my headlight. I admit I've done that. I don't like it when I do. I'm pointing the finger at me. I shouldn't. Shouldn't. They probably don't see you because they're probably looking at their phone. The, the yeah. number of times that they're looking at yeah. your phone when you when they go by is is shocking. Yeah. If I can determine that they see me and huh, there's a car behind me, and they go back to the business of driving, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we've talked about this recently. There is this thing that happens, and I and I think it's a plague in general, but it's a big thing in the U.S. And that is, there is a segment of the populace that they do have a demeanor where. I'm going fast enough. I'm in the fast lane because yeah. I'm going plenty fast enough. And, and the you should be going my speed because, totally, because I am plenty fast. Yeah. And it's this yeah. weird ego and self-policing thing. If there's somebody that comes gunning up behind you, your job is to get over. And I mm. look, I will acknowledge my, as I've talked about many times in this podcast, my kind of comfortable average speeds on freeways have a tendency to be faster than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But if you come up behind me, the lane is yours. Absolutely. I, I don't. Well, I, well, I, I don't Europe admit it. has ruined us. I will admit it. It does surprise me 
mm-hmm. when somebody guns me down because I think I know I'm going <laughs> Nobody quickly. Nobody passes me. No, because because I generally think I know I'm going quickly. So if you're gunning yeah. me down, you're going very fast. Yes. But then yes. the thought right after that, right after the initial, because it is initial surprise is. All right, if you're going that quick, Lane is yours, man. It's Arizona and Europe, we've found out so far, that get over. Yes, if you watch our right? X5M piece. <laughs> honestly, that, that was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Besides the fact that that truck was very, very fast while Holy being very confidence-inspiring, we were hammering down a back road, and we could see it happen two corners before we'd be on somebody. They would be looking for a turnout and be pulled over by the time we got behind them. I've never seen it happen before. Amazing. Thanks to Arizona, I guess. Uh, yeah. da- Damn it, Patton says, what are our thoughts on Utah taking on the Diesel Brothers? I don't know if you saw this bit of news mm. this week. The Diesel Brothers, yeah. wildly famous. They create crazy They create crazy SEMA-quality big trucks all the time. This year at SEMA, they had a huge, like, dually-style thing on tracks with UTVs in the back, also on tracks, and a snowmobile on the back. And it was this big display, and they, they sell crazy huge trucks. And, of course, they have a build show, and they sell their, their clothing and all that kind of thing. They are, they are forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, they're about an hour they from were, where we are. Yeah. About an hour. They were fined nearly a million dollars by the state of Utah this week. Yikes. And they were fined that for selling cars that roll coal. Well, that's the emission control devices were yes. removed, essentially. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Here's my short. Here's my short answer. Here. Here's my short answer. Here. Tiptoe. Tiptoe. Cannot stand trucks rolling coal. Can't I stand agree. it. I agree. So in that regard, I think, and I don't look. I don't care that they're celebrities. I don't care that they have a TV show. They're wildly successful. None of that matters. I think it just comes down fundamentally to you should not be selling cars that roll coal. Period. Look, big truck ownership. Slammed cars, drag racers. This is all part of car love. Yes, agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Yep. And that the the customers that frequent them and buy trucks, and they are absolutely there's no more validity in one category or the another. I hear we you. All love yep. trucks and cars, and that is equal. Mm-hmm. But when it does come down to that segment and you're defeating what is essentially the law, well the law caught up to them. I mean, you yeah. can't that's just is what it is, I guess. And I, I have no feeling one way or the other other than just sort of agreeing like, yeah, well, you probably shouldn't have done that because <laughs> that's the law. It's a big fine. I think they're going yes. to be fine, by the way. I, I Based on what I understand about their empire, I think as crazy as it is to be fined nearly a million dollars, I think while they're going to go out, they're also going to go, hmm, all right, can't buy something this week well, and mo- move on. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Gabriel B., Wrote to us, hey, Gabriel, thanks for writing. What do we think about rotary engines? He feels like he's putting himself in danger by getting into these engines because he's <laughs> looking for the FC RX-7 or an RX-8. There's a long list, I'm sure you've discovered it, Gabriel, of forum owners that can go, you know, taste great, less filling, taste great, less filling, back yeah, and forth, yeah, back yeah. and forth, of one engine is better than the other, or just rotaries are great or rotaries suck. Yeah. And back and forth all day long. We've loved every rotary we've driven. I mm. love rotaries because you can rev them out like a bike. They and rev the, to 9,000 RPM or more. I love that. And the rotation feel, they're so smooth and fantastic to drive. They are an incredibly unique experience, but I can't get past the fact that every time I drive one, it feels like I'm driving a well-polished science experience. experiment. It's, it's, just, it's like okay. somebody was playing okay. around, and this is really cool, and I'm glad you did it, but I'm also really glad to give you back the keys, and it still runs. That's Appealing in a weird way. I do agree. It's exciting. Yes, 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 for sure. The unique feeling that you get out of those engines and out of those cars is unmatched. I'll be honest. Yeah, agreed. It just it gives you this totally different feel, and you look forward to it. If you can find either of those two cars with good engines, Mm -hmm. it's tough to determine. But you got to do your research, and you're going to pay a little more than you'd like. But if they've got you know good service history, all that stuff, you're you know that's a better chance of having. Less problems, I mm-hmm. guess. If you can do your research and get a private owner who's really taking care of it, the engines are going to burn oil. They're going to be finicky. Yeah, You're going to have to do more maintenance than you ever thought. But the experience, if you're really into it and you do like it, yeah. Watch our old piece when we first drove the FRS versus the S2000 versus the last version, the Type 3, I believe it was called, of the RX-8, the last version of the RX-8. 
the RX-8 was crazy fun to drive, but we talked about it in there. For every owner who says, my, my rotary just runs, there's a guy standing next to him going, I'm on my third engine at 150,000 miles. They are a dice roll. And they, they, as you said, Paul, they require an involved owner mm-hmm. while they mm-hmm. burn more gas than they should and oil and these kind of things. But that's your unique experience trade-off. I am the problem. Twenty-eight asks. Apropos of nothing, have either of us ever <laughs> driven the BMW Isetta? Mm. As a matter of fact, my neighbor owned one of these briefly. It was he was around the corner and down the street a little bit. And every time I'd go for a bike ride with my parents as a kid, or you know, they just say, "Hey, let's go for a walk around the block." And I always like, "Yeah, I want to see the cars in the neighborhood." And there was this Isetta that just seared itself into my brain. It was the different owner that had the Mercedes Benzes and that weird 84 Maserati up the street. Different person. That I thought was a car dealer. And I think he just liked cars and rocketed through cars. It was not him. It was another owner. And he had a selection of cars. He had an Alfa Romeo, a really cool mid-80s Alfa Romeo. Cool. I think it was a GTV. But then he had this Isetta. Really? The first time I saw it, I was like, what is this? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Talk about a spaceship that landed. Mm -hmm. And then I saw him, you know, open the whole front and get in and the steering wheel swings away. And I'm just going, what on earth? It just, it doesn't seem like a good driving experience. It seems like a look at me. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in the U.S., it's a pointless car. It's a pointless car. There's just no reason to own one unless you just, hey, honey, it's like 630, it's 7 o'clock. Let's go for a sunset drive around the neighborhood and, you know. Did you ever get in that one? I never did. So the answer is no, but it's seared itself into my memory. And I I do like them, but I don't know who they're for. (laughs) I mean, now I don't know who they're for. I hear that. I hear that for sure. Mr. Hatch asked on Instagram, he said he's considering a Focus ST. But he swore off front-wheel drive, doesn't want front-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. He drove the Type R and really liked it, but it's A, out of his budget, and B, he had a little bit of the front-wheel drive sensation. He can't really afford a Type R. He can't really afford the Focus RS to get away from front-wheel drive. Is it worth spending more money to get into the Focus RS? Should he tolerate the ST because we've talked about it being fun? Mr. Hatch, this is my ponderance here. I really liked Spot the Mini. I really love the Fiesta ST. I've enjoyed the Veloster in. I like the Civic Type R. But what was interesting about owning Spot the Mini is I realized I don't really like front-wheel drive to own. I enjoy the cars. I've listed already a bunch of front-wheel drives that I thoroughly enjoy driving. Every time I own a front-wheel drive car, I wish it wasn't. Mm. So my thinking here is, in spite of the fact that I have tons of them that I I recommend on this podcast and thoroughly enjoy – Okay. Sure. In spite of that, if you're a person where you don't like the front wheel drive sensation, I don't think you should buy another one because I think you're going to get six weeks down the road and be like, I made a mistake. Mm. So whether that's get focus RS or go somewhere else, Mm. I think you should, if if that, if you're that aware of it, if that sensation is, is that much something you notice, don't buy front wheel drive again. Mm. All right. Drew H just bought a 68 Carmen Ghia runs and drives. Like it, like it. He chased the rear engine air-cooled experience at sub-Porsche 993 prices. Yeah, you did. Number one, do we approve? And number two, styling thoughts. Hmm. Yeah, we approve. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, Carmen Ghia, all summer long. I mean, just, you know, endless summer, surfboards sticking out the side. I mean, anything with the Carmen Ghia. They're cool. And because they're inexpensive and just accessible, people will come up to you and strike up conversations Warning, people will come up to you and strike up a conversation. Yes, yes, Because yes. I had this, and you're going to want to chew your oh, arm yeah, yeah. off to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, that, that will happen. Trust yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Styling thoughts, I think they're interesting. They're cool. They're not, you know, the most beautiful car ever, but I do like them. They're just fun. They're just that, you know, old classic look, mm-hmm. and they, they were just clean and simple. That's what I liked about the Carmen Ghias and the Volkswagens of that era, the squarebacks, the notchbacks, mm-hmm. the... You know, all those cool VWs and then the Carmen Ghias were like, oh, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit of a discerning choice. And you still okay. save money. So, like yeah, it. totally cool. Jeffrey Yu is doing a last-minute please help me car debate. Apparently, he's buying a car this weekend. Mm. He says two very odd cars that are down. He's whittled it down to two cars that couldn't be more different. A 2017 Mazda 3 hatch, which we really like, and a 2013 370Z. Ooh, ooh. He's going which? And then he throws in the curveball and says, I've driven them both. And in test drive, I enjoyed the Mazda 3 more. Is something wrong with me? (laughs) So he's saying, what's going on here? A couple of things, Jeffrey. I think the the Mazda 3 probably just feels more approachable to you. 
Okay. And that, that version of the Mazda 3 is very, very good. Depending upon your usage, I think it probably feels much more approachable. It's also just the easier car to be in. Visibility is better. It just it it has just kind of a light and easy, friendly companion feel about it. The 370Z is designed to be a, I don't see that well, man, it's louder in here, sports car. Mm-hmm. Sure. And sure. unless you're going to use it like that, I think based on what you've already experienced, I think the Mazda 3 is your play. Mm. Okay. I, I'm wondering okay. if you're you're trying to buy an all-arounder and you're thinking, maybe I should get the 370Z, and you're realizing the all-arounder is actually appealing to you more. So I say go with the car that's striking you. You aren't going to get the performance, but I'm wondering, based on your test drives and what you're des- describing here, if you aren't going to use the 370Z where it shines, which is back road or track. They're great for that. But if you're not going to use it really ever doing that, I think in a daily, you're probably going to prefer the Mazda 3. Hmm. Cool. Michael G says that we often mention about modding out of class. Where do we draw the line? Is it by overall cost, performance, or something else? Okay. Michael personally enjoys seeing lesser cars outperform the more expensive cars out of the box. This is why YouTube exists to do the drag races of that <laughs> yes, one or two does. thousand horsepower Volkswagen yes, Golf yes. beat everybody or that farm truck that you know, just totally smoked everyone. I made an all-wheel drive Civic and it runs nines. Yeah. The thing that you don't know is that engine probably cost $50,000 to build Mm. with parts and blueprinting and all that stuff. And, you know, I I do like that too to a point because you can throw enough money that you don't really see. That exterior of that Golf doesn't look like anything, but it's got, you know, the all-wheel drive system. It hooks up. Money and time was put into that. <laughs> and yeah, it looks like a junky old golf, and then it smokes everybody, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's still probably an $80,000 golf. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm just using it as, as an example. Don't quote me. But this is the GTR issue. The GTR came out. The R35 mm-hmm. came out. $80,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. just takes everyone. Yep. Where is that conversation now? Where, yeah. Where are we in, in car fandom mm-hmm. and enthusiast cars? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's like, yeah, that 911 GT2 looks pretty aspirational. It looks pretty cool, doesn't it? And the GTRs are 120. That's the problem. The GTRs have continued to be up, 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 up in price while they have kind of stayed the same. I mean, I know they've tweaked it by like 20 horsepower every year. But it, you're right. It's been around long enough now that it's no longer the darling at all, which is really interesting. No, it's the yeah. lesser car. It's the car that will never be invited to the Ferrari party. It can mm-hmm. stomp flat three quarters of those Ferraris. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. flat. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. It'll, it's on the outside of the fence looking mm. in and all the Ferraris are having all the fun because they're pretty. And the Nissan GTR ain't pretty. I'm sorry, but it's not. <laughs> it's super cool. Fighting words. Okay, yeah. It's, it's just, it's blunt. I happen to agree with you. It's yeah. a hammer. Yeah. Like just, you know, everything yeah. looks like a nail. Yeah. Bam, bam. I just, can bash on that. Yeah, for sure. That's what it does. It's excellent at yeah. doing that. But it, that's at the high end. So uh, cost for me. You can throw money at a name of vehicle and mm-hmm. make it go faster. But at that point... Don't you want something prettier or something that was designed to be faster already mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of forcing that to happen? Well, I think you also start to to refine the car into a point toward whatever you were chasing, and you could get something nicer that is a better do everything. All it's been raised in all ca- categories, mm-hmm. from interior to speed to sure. hand, all of the categories have been increased. While you took your, I'm just going to keep using it, your Civic, and you made it go real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it didn't get nicer otherwise, which is a hard one. Akam, I want to finish there. Did you see his question? No. Very interesting. Akam wrote in and said, new motor aside, even though Akam, the new motor is the key, why does the Mazda Miata get away with being underpowered? And nobody complains, even though, Paul, you've complained. Oh, here While it is, While the yes. GT86 chassis gets bashed for it. A couple of things. First off, the current in the Miata you, you've never connected with the Miata, Paul, until they did the revised engine on the new one. That was the first one you've really connected with. I couldn't with. believe it. It was unexpected. And I honest. actually have to say, and I'll just say the ND.1, the first half of this current one's life, uh, life cycle where it had the original engine, the engine was bland. And if you watch our comparisons of the being kind, no, but I mean, it was it was just a, it was an engine out of the parts bin for for Mazda, and it was yeah. without personality. Yeah. And if you watch our uh, Miata Comparo, it didn't come in first, partially because of that engine. Okay, the new engine has got personality, and it winds out faster. And the car, while the numbers don't change much, feels much more lively and interesting. And so that's made it more interesting. So the new engine is key. Mm-hmm. The yes. secondary thing is the problem with the GT eighty six. We mentioned it before, but here is the big problem is that torque dip. We just had one here, 
And when you accelerate in that car, and, and look, I know people are like, well, shift, but you're, you're going you're gonna to hit it in first gear, folks. Yeah. You're never, yeah. you're never going to avoid it in first gear, which means you're going to feel it every time you leave a stoplight. Mm-hmm. From 3,000 to 5,000 RPM, there is nothing you can do. The car instantly feels like a car does. You know, when you're driving a turbo car, the 1,000 RPM before it actually gets on boost, it suddenly yeah. feels like it lugs, and it just like, what, what am I, what, did I throw out an anchor? What happened? It, it, and then, it feels like it, it, it restricts itself all of a sudden, like yeah. the engine had a problem. That is the feel of the torque dip of the 86 motor. And I'm and, and as a yeah. former owner, yeah. I love it when people are like, "Well, you just need to shift." You're going to feel it in first every time, and there's no way to help it. <laughs> so three thousand yeah. to five thousand, yeah. you're suddenly lugging an anchor, and then it finds its breath from five thousand to sixty five hundred seven grand. It finds something all of a sudden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is something the Miata doesn't do, and in the new engine, it does it even less. The new engine has a, a, a constant growing surge that a good naturally aspirate aspirated engine has that the 86 can't accomplish and that's the thing that's holding the 86 back yes they added jalapenos to the salsa i guess i guess it's much better guys thank you so much for all your questions as always we really really appreciate it thank you for watching check out the toyota tundra piece on youtube it's a lot of fun we kind of got slidey in the snow we did and if you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast that is what keeps it in the automotive top 10 we thank you so much for that we really appreciate it looking forward to next time cheers everyone